When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. Just like your family treats you, find your health family at northmemorial.com slash family. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. It is Purple Daily on the all-new Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com and streaming live on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch. We made it real easy for you to follow us on all those various platforms. It's at S-K-O-R North. If you want to get in on the show, 651-646-8255 is the number to dial or tweet us at S-K-O-R North. I'm Rami Makloff alongside Judd Zolgad, Manny Hill on the other side of the glass. And uh, plenty to get to here in this hour. The only hour that's dedicated to Minnesota Vikings football and NFL football, and just football talk in general. Everything football. Everything Five you could possibly week, want. Pigskin. 52 weeks yes. a year. And uh, when we say all things football, we do mean the XFL. And we'll get into that a little bit later on in the show and talk about its its chances of surviving and making it with uh, some news concerning the XFL recently. I think good news for the XFL. But, of course, start with the Minnesota Vikings. And it really seems, Judd, like this whole offseason has been geared towards Propping up Kirk Cousins, right? From yep. Gary Kubiak and Stefanski yep. to the draft, give, addressing the offensive line, getting him a tight end who can catch the ball. This whole offseason, almost entirely, not free agency, but other than that, has right. been dedicated to propping up Kirk Cousins. I'd say it's fair to say that the entire offseason has been based on, if, if we, we want to sort of uh, change the verbiage and take Cousins' name out, writing the wrongs that the Vikings uh, made last spring in making assumptions about the quarterback. See, I think P- Vikings fans made assumptions about their quarterback. Oh, the team did too. I don't think so. Oh, they did. They let's, did. Let's play this. They this, did. This was yesterday on NFL Live. This is uh, Adam Schefter, Lewis Riddick, and Dan Orlowski talking about Kirk Cousins and what to expect from him this year compared to past seasons of his. Well, let me say this. Again, on the eve of training camp last year, the Vikings suffered a tragic loss when their offensive line coach, their assistant head coach, Tony Sperano, lost his life. And again, that takes priority, but that had a tremendous impact on that Vikings offense. And this year, I think that they've settled that some by hiring Gary Kubiak, bringing him in to work with Kevin Stefanski, bringing in Rick Dennison. I think this offense is going to be more stable this year. It's going to be stronger, sturdier, and because of that, Kirk Cousins, I believe, will be a better quarterback because of it. Well, this offense will have their identity that they want now. With, with Gary Kubiak being there and Stefanski, they want to run the football and then play action. That's what Kirk Cousins is best. To Kirk Cousins' defense, I mean, he threw for 4,300 yards and 30 touchdowns last year with a bottom three run game in, in one of the worst interior offensive lines in football. Now, Garrett Bradbury, the draft pick, is going to solidify some of that, Irv Smith being there. But I expect Kirk Cousins, I'm one of the people who think Kirk Cousins is a top 12 quarterback in the NFL, so I expect him to play that way. It wasn't lost on the Vikings, Lewis, because to your point, they take a center, they get him some help. You got Irv Smith. You know, they, they've done what they can to make year two a success for Kirk Cousins. Yeah, look, Kirk was never the guy who was going to transcend his surroundings and just make everyone else play above and beyond what they've ever played before historically so I think they realize that they realize that despite all the money that they paid to him in terms of guaranteed money they still were gonna have to build a strong football team around him and it had to start with the offensive line otherwise he could put up all the stats he wants they didn't bring him there to put up more stats otherwise he could have just stayed in Washington they brought him there to win a Super Bowl simple as that whether people like that or not that's why they made the move at that position in particular 
They said this is the difference, but it needs to be the difference in conjunction with the offensive line and running game. And and the defense. And the defense that right. was the best defense in the world in 2017. Right. That's what they thought they were adding Kirk Cousins to. Right, but they made the mistake, and I've, I've gone through this before, they they made the mistake of assuming that the price they were paying Cousins was then going to reflect the quarterback that, that he would become, which if you had called my dog, my dog would have said no. So they made... Your they, dog knew? They made, yes. How did your Ev- dog know? Everybody knew. They made. They watched every Cousins snap and assumed, well, we're signing him to, to this huge contract, so he's going to be a quarterback that, that he's not, and now they're trying to correct that. But, it's that simple, which is which they need to. They have to do. They like. I don't blame them, but unfortunately, they put everyone cousins himself as well. So I'm not. Um, I'm not uh, taking him out, out of the equation here. But everything that they did offensively last year set themselves up for a pretty typical. Oh, this should not shock us. And now they're trying to fix it, which is fine. They they should fix it. So how much improvement do you think is fair to expect from Kirk Cousins? Colin and I talked about this yesterday, and I, I think that this, this is a tough one because I think it's fair to expect he's going to be, th- that they are now surrounding him with a style or a scheme, first of all, that's going to fit him more. So I think that there should be an expectation of definite improvement because he's going to be put into a style of uh, offense that he's going to be more comfortable with. Um, the only thing, and this is true of a lot of QBs and teams, so that this is not, is not going to surprise. The only thing is because of the salary cap and Cousins has paid so much, the depth still is not there. So if guys do get, if you get a couple guys hurt, it's going to be a big deal. But I think that if you just look at opening day of training camp and what Kubiak's going to try to do, that there should be an expectation, not that this offense will be fantastic, but that it'll be far more consistently functional. How about that for a term? I like it. Than it was last season. And I think that's, Maybe all you can ask from Kirk Cousins is a little bit more consistency, yes. because other other than that, at this stage in his career, Kirk Cousins is what he is. Mm-hmm. Like if you're expecting a big jump in Kirk Cousins from last year to this year, you're kidding yourself. Like for everything that they did to to put him in the best position to succeed, the guy had. When you look at his numbers as a whole, and I know that. This doesn't necessarily tell the entire story, but you look at his numbers as a whole and you can argue he had a career year in his first year in Minnesota. He threw, he completed 70% of his passes, almost 4,300 yards and 30 touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Those were all career highs for Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. He, he might have had the best season of his career last year and you still ended up eight, seven, and one. He was statistically at the end, cumulative stats were very right. good. And that's, but and the that's, problem, but the problem goes back to now the, the primetime games, the biggest games, the Chicago game and third downs. Collar talks yeah. all the time about the, sure. the, the troubles that Cousins has on third downs. So here's what I think all this is designed to do. Not necessarily to make Kirk Cousins all that much better. But he he's, he struggles in pressure situations, whether it's a primetime game or a big third down. We saw him miss some throws. He was one of the best red zone quarterbacks overall last year, but we saw him miss some throws in the red zone in big pressure situations last year. So Threw the ball backwards a couple of threw, times. That's a that's problem. You don't, you don't want to throw the ball backwards. That's not <laughs> your goal as an NFL quarterback. But right. So I think that all this... The, the hiring of Kubiak and Stefanski and fixing the offensive line and all the, and, and hopefully improving the run game and the play action game. This is all designed to put Kirk Cousins in those situations where he struggles less often because he's not going to be any better. A sad statement in but those I think situations, that's yeah. right? I think that's very fair. Yes. Yes. And, and this is also designed now to, to have a guy run this offense in Gary Kubiak that is going to make this a very competent not great, competent offense, and take the concern about that off the head coach's plate. And then the flip side, too, is the goal for this team is to thrive off of one thing, defense. Like, this is still a def- this is still a defensive first. We put a lot of our money, we put a lot of our efforts, we put a lot of our wisdom into defense. So this is all the only thing that the Vikings want And this has been a long way to go to get here. But the only thing they ever really desired, and they're at fault for goofing this up a little bit too themselves, but Rami, is this. A slightly better Case Keenum. And that offense. That's all they wanted. 
Like, this was never done saying we are signing this QB because, oh my gosh, now we're going to become an offensive first focus team, right? And now we're going to score all these points. This was done predicated on the fact that the head coach did not trust uh, Case, who was a career backup. So that's almost fair, really. And that he knows defensively he's going to have, in his mind, a top-five defense. So all they ever really desired was a quarterback who they thought was going to be an upgrade on Case. And unfortunately for them, in 2017, that did not consistently happen, especially in big games. Highlight strengths, hide deficiencies. Yeah, that's, that's going to be the biggest thing for all... Kirk. That's that's what's going to be the biggest thing for Kirk Cousins in 2019, and because for he... the for the Vikings to do that for him. Highlight his strengths, which is play action. He's at his best in play action situations. So a very very heavy diet of play actions and hide his deficiencies, which is on third and long situation. So limit, try and limit the third and longs. If you're going to have third downs, they need to be third and two, third and three, third and four, more manageable third down situations that Cousins has a better chance of executing in. And you hide the, you stay out of the third and 11, third and 12s because that's where he, he always struggles because he never seems to make a play in those sort of situations. This team does, should have. And and the uh, removal of this guy from his position with three games left was tantamount to admitting this, but they should have just said, we royally screwed up. Mm-hmm. John D. Filippo beat him, or helped. He didn't even beat him. He helped beat them in the NFC title game, and they became enamored w- with that. But if they had if they had professionally taken a step back and said, okay, what can we do best here? You wouldn't have hired him in a million years. And and they put they put that offense in a position in so many so many ways last year a position to fail and they did I don't know why I don't know why NFL teams when you go and get a quarterback like a Kirk Cousins when the Bears went and got a Jay Cutler when you get a guy who's had some success elsewhere why not right along with him. I would do this every time. If I went and got a high-profile quarterback who's had success elsewhere, I'd pluck somebody off that offensive staff and run the same exact system. Why why take him out of his comfort zone? You know why? Because these teams are because far, I, I shouldn't say all. Because too many of these teams remain arrogant about thinking that they know best. Because you're a thousand percent right. Because when when the Bears hired Jay Cutler, I was screaming, "Get Kyle Shanahan!" Yep, because mm-hmm. he thrived well, under Mike Shanahan. Go yes. and get, I was screaming and for Shanahan, years. Uh, Go and get Kyle Shanahan. Disciples sh- should have been on the sideline for the Vikings last year, right? Exactly. Yeah. If nope. you know, they knew they knew what. Let's say ninety percent that they were likely going to get Cousins mm-hmm. and sign him, right? So at that point, you're right. You got to go start to say. Forget what we think is best and what we did. What they needed to say at that time, and they didn't say, was what's going to make this guy as successful as possible because he's the most important piece here. Everyone else can adapt, there right? Are very they, few, there are very few quarterbacks who succeed no matter the circumstances. Like the, the, No matter what, what pieces you put around them in the offense, no matter what offense they're playing, and no matter who's coaching them, they're going to get you seven wins. But those guys are so few and far in between. I mean, like, there's... Two or three of them per generation, if that. The rest of the guys, almost the rest of the league, I don't care how much arm talent they have, I don't care how athletic they have, how good they are, they have to be put in a position to succeed. And it starts with the coach and the system and the players that they're playing with. Kirk Cousins, and this is what Lewis Riddick was saying, he's not a guy who's going to elevate the entire offense and all the players around him single-handedly. That's not who he is. He never was. He never will be. And you're not going to change him eight years into his career. What deficiencies he has, he has. You have to try, like Manny was saying, to maximize his strengths and minimize his deficiencies. That's that's where you're at with Kirk Cousins. And the Vikings approached the 2018 offseason. They looked at everything in a vacuum. Right. They looked at Kirk Cousins and said, well... We'll go get him because he's better than Case Keenum. And they hired John Filippo because, well, his offense kicked our defense's butt in the NFC Championship game, and the Eagles won the Super Bowl. They looked at that whole situation. Instead of thinking, instead of thinking forwardly, instead of saying, okay, if we're going to go get Cousins, let's go find a coordinator to, who's going to maximize 
what Kirk Cousins does and hide his deficiencies. They just looked at everything in a vacuum and said, we're going to, we're losing our offensive coordinator. So we're going to go get the guy who kicked our butts and we're going to go get a quarterback who we think is just better than Case Keenum. Forget about if it's a right fit or not. So let's break this down because th- this, this goes into very, a very in- interesting territory to me that drives me absolutely up the wall about sports. And I believe it to, to be true. This is and because, and here's what drives me crazy. It's so simple. Who's the linchpin? Who's the most important person when it comes to the Vikings defense? Who's the most important single person? Anthony Barr. No, but I'm not oh, talking. Mike Zimmer. Exactly yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So we're sitting here in Egan, let's say, and we're having this conversation. I've never been to Egan. Is it nice this time of year? It's re- It's too big. Okay. <laughs> it's too big. It's got too many chains. It can. I can, I can take it or leave it. Anyway. <laughs> So, so if we sit down though and have this uh, conversation about this, you're right. Mike Zimmer's the most. If, if you if he walks out the door today, that defense is not set up to be nearly as successful, right? So last year, how do you not? And you and you know that offense is not a strength of Mike's. We know that he's focused on. Defense. He's great at defense. I'm not even not only criticizing is it not a strength. Him. It's not even a concern of yeah, his. I'm not even cr- so <laughs> I'm not worried about this it. This isn't even a criticism. This is not this is not going after him. It's just how he's built. How do you not have that conversation last March at some point or la- or or February of two thousand and eighteen now? How do you not have that conversation about okay, the most important thing if we're gonna if we're gonna sign Kirk is to have as close to Mike Zimmer of offense as we can possibly get. What, and, and teams are so arrogant, and teams are so full of themselves, and teams think they know best and that they can fix things, and it drives me nuts. Like you found Mike Zimmer walks around as exhibit A of what happens when you have a really good coach in football on one side of the ball, right? Mm-hmm. So you've seen this. You've got the window. Rick Spielman, the rest of you, you had the window, and yet you didn't use it. You just thought, we'll bring in this guy who was a quarterback's coach in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. who had one previous OC stint in Cleveland, which means you could read nothing from it, and you just assumed, because Pat Shermer had worked, that this kid would work. In the Vikings' defense, and I don't know if this is even a very good defense, but it's the best I got, they're not the first to fall for that. When no. when, when there is a mm-hmm. Super Bowl-winning team... Teams around the league are like, we want to emulate that. Let's pluck guys off but that's their why coaching I, staff. That's and whether why, or not those guys are ready or not. That's mm-hmm. why I broadened the, the conversation out, though. I'm not even saying the Vikings. Right. I'm, I'm saying right. the amount of times that yep. you see teams, and I and not just football, baseball, hockey, basketball, pick your sport, that the arrogance gets to a point where it blinds what should be the competence. Yeah. I agree with you 100%. Yeah, it just it drives me nuts. Even I mean and this is why he is who he is. Bill Belichick doesn't let his arrogance or his his ego, yeah. his confidence in what he does get in the way. He looks at every game every, and every offseason and everything that he does, he looks at it and says, "How do we maximize this?" Not how have we done it before and let's do it again. He looks at this situation and says, "How do we maximize this? How do we beat this team? How do we do, how do we build a system around this guy?" To get the most out of him and put everybody around him in the best position to succeed. That's and I'm and this goes beyond football, Judd. If you if you want to really broaden the discussion, oh heck yes, this goes beyond football. This goes across the way people live their lives, the way offices are run, the way businesses are run. There's so many people who are stuck in this is how it's been done, so this is how we do it. Right. Instead of looking at the situation that they're actually in and going. Is there a better way we could do this? Right. Looking at this in hindsight now, should they have just tried like hell to keep Pat Shermer around? I don't. I, I yes, but I don't think a it guy was gets possible. a head coaching He's offer, gonna, and and he and was he a goes. failure the first time he got the opportunity. But that was Cleveland. Now, mm-hmm. now the one, the only thing is, you could have pleaded and said, "You're going to the Giants. Are you crazy?" Right. That would be the just, only thing. And just paid him more, maybe. But, yeah, but he wasn't going to there stay. Is, we got to hit a break. But to end this conversation about Kirk Cousins and how much improvement you can expect out of him on a high note, uh-huh. I do think there is one place where they can improve Kirk Cousins. Because I've said at this point in his career, he is who he is. But there is one area that he's done far better at earlier in his career that I think he could do better at again because of the changes that they made around him. It's yards per attempt. He was averaging 
at or close to eight yards per attempt in his best years with Washington. Last year, he was right around seven. And I know that mm-hmm. sounds like a minimal drop-off, but it's a, it's, huge it's, difference. It's a significant drop-off yep. when you look at the number of attempts a guy takes over the course of a game and of a season. I think part of it was Kirk Cousins often looks for the safest play. Yep. And he doesn't, he doesn't like taking a lot of risks. That's why he doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. His turnovers are usually being careless with the football and getting it knocked out of his hands. But also part of it is, and this is, this just, this is just football common sense. If you don't have an offensive line who can protect for you, and we're talking about fractions of a second making a difference in what pass you can attempt, a little more time should give him a little bit more time to throw the ball further downfield and increase that yards per attempt, shouldn't it? He, he, he so, just, yeah. He just needs to be in a situation where everything everything around him goes well and is executed well. But he's never going to be a guy that if something breaks down, he's going to be able to improvise and make something happen. So it goes back to the conversation we've had several times about surrounding him with as much talent as possible to minimize the times where things are going to completely go haywire and break down. Because if something goes wrong, if somebody misses a block and there's a lineman coming right at him, he's toast. He's cooked. So at this point, you try to give him as good an offensive line as possible to minimize when those things happen. Yeah, it's minimize the deficiencies and maximize the efficiencies with Kirk Cousins. That's where you're at. He's not going to carry this team to glory. Is uh, ESPN and Fox going to carry the XFL to glory, Judd? Oh, we'll answer that next. That's coming up on Purple Daily on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score. UXFL will kick off in 2020. Quite frankly, we're going to give the game of football back to fans. I'm sure everyone has a lot of questions for me, but I also have a lot of questions for you. In fact, we're going to ask a lot of questions and listen to players, coaches. We're going to listen to medical experts, technology executives, members of the media, and anyone else who understands and loves the game of football. That's Vince McMahon sounding really rough here on Purple Daily he, on Score okay? North on 1500 what? and scorenorth.com. What happened to the brash? I don't uh, know. That was the voice that he used to use when he was like bad Vince McMahon. Like oh, the, yeah. Like when he the was Mr. McMahon. Right, Mr. McMahon. But yeah. not, it sounds like that's just how he talks now. When he was firing people back in the attitude. You're fired! Yeah, fire. that whole thing. Did he just did he just talk his 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 voice into gravel? Is that what happened? I miss those days. <laughs> Gosh, that was such but, a fun time of watching wrestling. But beyond that, beyond that, that that soundbite, he's. I'm. We're going to ask you questions. Since when does Vince McMahon give a damn about what the media or anybody else thinks? the The whole XFL originally was launched on we're going to have cameras in the cheerleaders' locker room, and we don't give a damn if you like it or not. Well, because he he thought that's what people wanted. <laughs> No, but it's just funny now. He almost sounds like apologetic. <laughs> I know that I know you have questions, but we're going to ask you questions. You know, Vince, why are you doing this then? That's you know, that's the question. I know you were you were in on the AAF bullish for a week. Yeah, for a week. <laughs> well, until I found out Reggie Fowler was the money behind it. I'm six foot one and tons of fun, and you're also broke as can be. And then you were like, okay, this is doomed. If they ever had anything yes. to do with Reggie Fowler, this thing is doomed. Yes. Okay. Are you in on the XFL? You know. Here's my here's my um my actual feeling about these leagues now. Yeah. In my lifetime, none of them have worked. Like it's never worked. So you know what? Go for it. Try it. That's fantastic. But I'm not in as far as because none of them have ever worked, I'm not in on I think that this is now going to work. No, I'm not. I'll give it time. I'll probably watch a few games, but you tell me when's the last time you know for in my in my lifetime it's been the USFL. You've had various pop up springtime ventures, right? Mm-hmm. Arena league, the, yeah, and, NFL Europe. Well, and the arena league though at least was a different idea, and I mm-hmm. think that was played in the fall or something. Anyway, the point being is my realistic view is I'm not in, not because I think it's. Are you rooting for, for sure. it? Because you were rooting for the AAF. Yeah, I, f- well, I feel like no. you. I feel like you just want, I want a feeder, football. I want a feeder system of some sort that that the NFL can be in cahoots with to actually help some you players. Know, but you, but we've talked about that, and I think your theory is that's not going to work. 
Am I am I rooting for a guy who's a construction worker today who's going to become an XFL player to make it, but he has no he's not going to impact the game in a real way? I don't care. People keep rooting for a feeder system for the NFL and the AF wanted that, or at least that's the well, guy, yeah, too that's late. the that's the guys that they shut down the league under that they couldn't survive if they didn't do that when really he just wanted to cash out. Correct. Um but for the NFL to get in bed with a a developmental league, whether it was the AF or the XFL, and su- and support it financially or in any other way to pour any resources into it whatsoever, yep. it makes no sense for them because they have a feeder system and it's one hundred percent free. College it's football. called the NCAA. Right, no, but I'm but I'm talking about a feeder a uh, uh, a slight minor league where you can get guys who are out of college who still might have pro potential for the NFL to go to a G League. Yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not talking about a great product. I'm talking about something where I'll go back to it's so hard to even come close to developing uh, decent quarterbacks. I would like a place where some of these guys can go and see if with playing time it, it helps them. And if it doesn't, I don't care. And if it does, great. Right. But no, I'm not. I guess I'm not talking about a full fledged, oh my God, this league is fantastic system. I'm talking about. All right, here are 25 players who have potential, but they don't play now, and they're on practice squads. And so they can go to a league then and continue to develop, and let's say they are age 24 to 26. What Wasn't NFL Europe kind of that, though? Yeah, that was the attempt. Yeah, it just doesn't, they don't work. It just, yeah, they it don't just work. They're work. too expensive. It, it doesn't work. And so that's why the XFL, go for it. Sounds like it, you know, they, they just obviously announced TV deals with what? That's ABC, what I was just going yeah, to get to. Yeah, so that's great. I remember when the AAF folded and Stephen A. Smith said, if the XFL or any other startup football league is, is ever going to succeed, what they're going to need is a deal with the titans of the sports media industry, namely ESPN and Fox. Stephen A. Smith said that when the AAF went under and they have that now. So let's see if... If that will do the trick, this comes from uh, ESPN News Services. The XFL on Monday announced multi-year agreements with ESPN and Fox Sports to televise games starting with its inaugural 2020 season. XFL games will air weekly on broadcast TV, ABC and Fox, complemented by games on cable, ESPN, ESPN2, FS1 and FS2. The XFL's TV schedule will feature back-to-back games each Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern and two games on Sunday afternoons. And that's that's a that's a big deal for the for the XFL, and I think Stephen A. Smith is is half right in that the 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 vehicle that you deliver your product in definitely matters, and people know to go to ESPN and to go to Fox and Fox Sports sure. for football and and for sports in general. It's 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 what they do, and and they have a brand there, and so I think for the XFL to partner with them is is really beneficial. But at the end of the day. If you get 20 million people to sit in front of their TVs for that first week of XFL, I don't care what channel it's on, the product needs to be good enough to come back week two, week three, week four, and beyond. And you touched on it a minute ago, Judd, what this all comes back to. And there is a drop-off in talent all over the field when you talk about the NFL compared to any of these leagues. But what it all comes down to, what makes a football game entertaining and why the NFL has geared their rules the way that they've geared them is quarterbacks. And there simply aren't enough people who yeah. can play quarterback at a high enough level on the planet Earth to keep people entertained over the course of a season. They're just they, they just don't exist because there's guys in the NFL right now, right? That are but that's Nathan Peter, Nathan Peterman right. lined up under center <laughs> last year. But that's the point: is could you could you have a league? And the the answer right now is absolutely no. Could you have a league that actually gets its hands on? Some of these young QBs who aren't developed yet and helps them develop and the product becomes better. But you know what that gets back to then is if you're the, the if you are a team in, in the National Football League, you probably say that would be fantastic to help my young QB develop potentially. But if you're the league itself, you're like, why? Why am I going to help them? I'm not going to. And the other thing that we probably don't talk about enough, and this all goes back to the genius of the National Football League, is the fact that while they they end in February and don't start games again of importance or that mean something until September, they're never really off, if you think about it. 
you've got enough National Football League news, which, which by the way, is a football form probably of crack cocaine, right? Mm-hmm. You've got enough. It's not if they disappeared still. If they just went away and nobody talked about them, and they the draft popped up and that was it, you might say people are starved. But when you think about it, what they do is they sprinkle things throughout the year that are I, no, I, that I, are absolutely genius. I think people are are starved. I think that's accurate. Colorado was starving yesterday. Yeah, Colorado was complaining about we're still four months away from having significant football. Right, back but on. but then the problem is you don't <laughs> give them the product that's good enough, right, because, to satisfy them. So it's a but the NFL clearly has no interest or initiative to help these leagues. And so you are going to get uh, Bill from Pittsburgh, who played quarterback in high school, trying to you know be QB of an XFL team, and you're and and you watch and sit down once and say this is garbage, and then that's it. I think when you when you look at the ratings for week one and week two of the AAF or or the initial launch of the XFL back mm-hmm. in the first time around, there's obviously a an, an audience there for it. People want quality football. When the NFL is off season, well, the, right? But they're not the, getting the news quality. and the drama is isn't enough to to satisfy that hunger for football. It they they eat that up because they'll take anything at that point. Away. But I think that if if there was any way possible to make a product worth watching during the NFL's off season, it would succeed. I just don't think it's possible. I, Which I, don't, I think I, is very fair. I, I think you're probably right. I don't think you can do it. I really don't. I don't. I, there, there just aren't enough dudes walking this earth who can play quarterback at a high enough level to entertain me. I think that's very fair. Yes, and which, which is why I am very skeptical here. I, I think the what Vince took from his first go around with an attempt at the XFL probably has helped him, and he's probably got better ideas now. And and there's certainly the capital behind this venture to make it work for let's say a year or two pretty solidly but i am with you i come back to this how are you going to have a product that is going to be good enough for people to not just sit down and watch because it's been proven that they will do that but to sit down and watch and then say i'm hooked i i said the nfl wouldn't play or excuse me the xfl wouldn't play two full seasons before it went under and i this doesn't change that at all the deal with espn and fox doesn't change that at all. No extends, rights fees too. It extends the life, the life maybe just a little bit, but no, no. It's not like it's not as if they're also going to be getting checks from ESPN, ABC, and Fox as well. They're not right. Those networks are going to pay for the for the production of games, which is not cheap. But yes, this is all about will people sit down and watch? And I think what's been proven time and time again is the answer is yes, they will for a week. Or they might sit down and watch for a week or two weeks, mm-hmm. but then you know what they do? They're like, "This is not good enough." They bail. It's not the, and the NFL. Dead. Let's yep. get in a call six five one six four six eight two five five if you want to get in on Purple Daily. This is Bob in Bloomington. You're on uh, one on Score North. What's up, Bob? I got it. It's so simple. You guys will laugh when I tell you. This is why it'll never work. Nineteen eighty seven strike games. It will never work. They can't even feel the team when the players walk out. Tony Why Adams, you... baby. Tony yeah. Adams, starting a quarterback for, for the Vikings. I, I went against the Packers. That was a debacle. <laughs> I mean, they could do it with a you know, St. Paul Saints-style thing, but it's just going to be those little communities that want to support that. Yeah. It's never going to be this. It's yeah, and games, that's what this is. Thanks for the call, Bob. Appreciate it. You have leagues like that, like you, like you referred to, on the same level as, say, the St. Paul Saints. You have those... All over the country, where I, where I just came from, I lived in a a small town right on the border of Illinois and Wisconsin, Kenosha, and there's a, a town right above, right north of that, called Racine, and they have they have two teams that play semi pro football that have literally decades of heritage and history because again, there is there are people who want to go out and watch football when the NFL isn't in season, but not enough to support it on the level that it's going to be nationally televised on ESPN and on Fox and garner this huge following and fill the void that the XFL leaves for five months out of the year. I look at, I'm looking at the list of teams that will be in the XFL next year. There's eight teams, Dallas, Houston, LA, New York, St. Louis, Seattle, Tampa Bay, and DC. Maybe St. Louis is supportive because they don't have an NFL team, but even then it's like, 
you play this you play this league in the spring and summer. I mean, they're going to be at Cardinals games. People are going to be at Cardinals games. Best case scenario. Yeah, best case scenario. A yeah. community, a fan base is supportive enough that you can fill up a small stadium on a Saturday or a Sunday night during the NFL's off season and sell enough tickets that you can pay these guys a relatively paltry salary to play football. But you just said the problem, and and that's the problem that all of these leagues have, and I think we talked about this with Collar at one point, and it's absolutely true. They all try and play in real stadiums. Mm -hmm. You can't play in a real stadium. Now, if you rent out a small college stadium, if you if if a team came here tomorrow in any of these leagues, my advice would be go to the Vikings and play at their at the stadium that they built at their f- facility in Egan, which is basically a very nice Division three college stadium. Mm-hmm. That's where you should play. But the problem is the Alliance, right? They went and played in San Antonio, I think, in the Dome. The San Diego franchise tried to play where the Chargers played. You can't come close to getting the people in there, and you have to open the doors and turn on the lights. And from day one of all of those things, it's an absolute drain, and you'll never, ever get the crowds in or the interest in to make that worth what you're paying to do it. Now, I will say three of the eight teams, it looks like, or four, I guess four of the eight teams, so half the league, will be playing, will be following that model, Judd, of going into smaller facilities. Houston, the Houston team is going to play where the Houston Cougars college team plays. Okay. The team in D.C. is going to play where D.C. United, the soccer team, plays. That'd be like playing here in the uh, Mansfield. At Allianz Field. Field, yeah. And then it looks like the team in L.A. is going to play where the Chargers are currently playing now, which is also a soccer stadium. So, I mean, and the Dallas team is going to play at the ballpark in Arlington, which the Rangers are leaving after, um, after that's not getting torn anyway. down. So yeah, I guess I guess the team in Dallas is going to use it. And so, Allianz Field too big for this. If Minnesota was to get a team, it's probably just about right. Yeah, it might be a little bit too big. Holds what Allianz holds what nineteen five. But I tell about? you, I tell you what, if I'm the soccer team, I ain't letting a football team near that place because you're going to tear up the field. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, right. like a big part of that thing is the is the quality of the field and grass. It's beautiful. Why would I want the 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 uh, American football played on my field? I'm, and and the other part of this too. Sorry, Rami. But that's all right. The other part of this too is if this league is going to be going on the same time as the MLS season, like. You're going to have to worry about scheduling and, and, and all of that stuff is going to become an issue. I'm a football guy through and through and I've never cared about soccer in my life. But ever since I went to the Allianz oh, Field Food great. Tour, and yesterday, by the way, I went to the CHS Field Food Tour, home of the St. Paul Saints. And you were not well. That's all up at Score North if you want to see uh, Derek you did and not my look well. adventures. By the end, no, I was hurting. Watch the entire thing, if and nothing else, j- just to see you watch fall Watch the apart. slow degradation <laughs> of Robbie Makloff. At, at the start, you look like you're vibrant and Dude. young and you're loving life. And this is not. This is in no way a critique of their food. I don't know. No, it was delicious. And I know their beer is great. but just a lot. But Oops. at the start of that thing, you look like you are a man ready to grab the world by the uh, by the ears and embrace life. And by the end, by the time I saw you, I thought you were dead. Well, that's because I ate all this, Judd, real quick. I'll just run through the uh, the list for you. Poutine with smoked pork shoulder, oh, chicken good. wings, a Cajun burger, pork belly brat pop, a smoked turkey sandwich, chicken and waffles, and a dessert that doesn't have a name, but this is what's in it. There's a waffle Salted caramel ice cream, a second waffle, not a waffle cone, waffles, actual waffles, a Mm. second scoop of salted caramel ice cream topped with whipped cream, chocolate sauce, caramel, and bacon. Oh, I hope to God that there's not a calorie count on that sucker. (laughs) That is because you might setting for calories. man. So Derek and I reviewed all those things. It's all up at score. But you do. You look you start the day looking fantastic. And by the time I, I saw you. I think that it's probably appropriate to say that you were just big one ball of gas. But uh, what? I, 
You heard me. Oh, I know. You heard Robbie would from the time we go to break. And tell they, tell and people. I would just turn off my mic and belch for like an entire commercial break. And in between talking during the show, I would have to turn off my mic. Yeah, the cough and, button was the belch button. And either burp or yawn. Like literally from the time <laughs> I finished that food tour yesterday to the time I crashed, which was early after I got home, like shortly after the Twins game last night, I was burping or yawning nonstop. When you did not burp, <laughs> All I heard was this. Oh. <laughs> it was rough. That was every break. It was oh. rough. But what I was just getting at was ever since I went on that Allianz Field food tour, I can't and I don't care about I don't care about soccer. I hope that they don't mind me saying this. I don't care about soccer. I just want to go watch a game there and a buddy of mine who lives love in, it. He lives in Chicago. He's a huge soccer fan. He's coming up to visit at the end of the month. And he reached out to me. He was like, dude, I hear that stadium up there is amazing. Can you get tickets for a game? So we're going on June 2nd. You'll love it. And I can't wait. It's it's really, really cool. I cannot wait. And we are the home of uh, Minnesota United Soccer. Yes, we are. Here because a lot of people do care around Score North. We'll hit a quick break. On the other side, the Vikings have had some bad drafts, but maybe the worst of the century? The worst of the century? I can confirm. I think I agree with this. That's coming up right after this. Purple Daily on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. North Memorial Health has over 400 care providers. That's right, more than 400 care providers and more than 6,000 team members that are dedicated to keeping you healthy. North Memorial Health is proud to partner with the Minnesota Vikings as they work to make Minnesota the healthiest in the league. They're more than a team at North Memorial Health. They're your family. At North Memorial Health, customers are treated like family. Your health family is more than a tagline. It's a commitment to delivering unmatched customer service. That means a big smile when you walk in the door. That means making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It means asking, what else can we do for you? North Memorial Health will treat you like family in a good way. The people at North Memorial Health will team up with you to help you achieve your best health. So step up your health care game today and find your health family at northmemorial.com slash family. Once again, that's northmemorial.com slash family. It's Purple Daily on Score North. Speaking of Minnesota United soccer, this Saturday night, United will travel to Chicago to take on the fire. You'll hear it right here on Score North and the Score North mobile app. And, of course, live at scorenorth.com. Join Jonathan Harrison and Dan Terhar for the pregame at 6.30 and the kickoff at 7. With the uh, seventh selection in the 2005 NFL draft, the Minnesota Vikings select Troy Williamson, wide receiver, South Carolina. Purple Daily on Score North on 1500scorenorth.com. Go get that Score North app. The more you listen, the more points you rack up, the better chance you have to win some rewards. Subscribe to all your favorite podcasts. Give us your five-star reviews. Leave your comments. And uh, if you don't get the app, you can listen to this show and all our Vikings programming just by searching Score North Vikings wherever you download podcasts or if you want to stream it live, live.scorenorth.com. If you're uh, hopping out of the car and running into the office, that's how you uh, stay tuned in to Score North all day long. You heard there the 2005 first-round pick, one of two 2005 first-round picks by your Minnesota Vikings. Eric Edholm from uh, Yahoo, he put together the worst drafts of this century. So going back to 2000, almost 20 years, 20 drafts have been conducted, and he compiled the worst drafts in that time. Number one is the Oakland Raiders, and that was the year that they selected Jamarcus Russell. Can't miss. I was at that combine. Yeah. Number one, first-round pick, Jamarcus Russell. Looked, Todd like Mc- a, looked like a defensive tackle. I, I stood right by him in Indianapolis, <laughs> and I thought he was, I honest to God, I With thought he was a cannon attached to his shoulder. Tackle. I'm, I'm like, who is this he, mammoth man? They're like, that's Jamarcus Russell. I'm like, he's a quarterback. I, I wonder if that just makes that draft number one just by default, just because probably, of Jamarcus Russell. Probably. <laughs> I remember watching ESPN that day and Todd McShay saying that's the most impressive pro day he's ever seen from a quarterback, what he saw from Jamarcus Russell. Told you a lot about pro days right there. <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm just dead <laughs> right, serious. Right. They took uh, Zach Miller, number two, at 38. Quentin uh-huh. Moses, defensive end, number three, or third round at number 65. 
Defensive tackle Mario Harrison. They had another third-round pick. They took him there. They had four third-round picks that year. They took wide receiver. I actually remember this guy, and I don't know why, because he did nothing at the NFL level, and that's why it was the worst draft of the century. Johnny Lee Higgins. No memory of him. Just, if I remember correctly, Johnny Lee Higgins was just a blazer. He could just fly. That was mm. that was his thing. Al Davis loved those guys. Yeah. Love the speedsters. And then right there, number two behind that awful draft from the Oakland Raiders is the 2005 Minnesota Vikings. You just heard their first pick at number seven, Troy Williamson. And then they had another first round pick that year. They took another guy who people thought was a can't miss defensive end, Erasmus James yep. out of Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Second round, they got guard Marcus Johnson. At number 49, with their second third-round pick at number 80, they took safety Dustin Fox, then uh, Seatric Faison running back in the fourth round. And uh, in the sixth round, they took defensive tackle C.J. Mosley, yep. who went on to have a pretty good career, not for the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, he was traded um, by Childress, I think, in Childress's first Jets, tra- right? uh, training camp to the Jets when the Vikings were in Dallas uh, for Brooks Bollinger because the Vikings were in need of a backup quarterback. Uh, that uh, draft, Yeah, that draft is... Easily one of the worst of all time. And an embarrassment and a complete joke. Um, so, let's see here. Dustin, see, when Dustin Man- Fox now, uh, by the way, has gone on to become a very successful broadcaster mm-hmm. in Columbus, I believe. Really? Yep. 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 Yeah, he was. But that first round. And the Erasmus James. So, so the Vikings had been searching for a pass-rushing right end forever at that point. Mm -hmm. And Erasmus James, who, of course, was a star with the Badgers, was going to come here and be that guy. And then, as I've always said, the only thing that the Vikings misjudged was the fact that Erasmus James really didn't like football very much. And that's a big problem. And the other part of it, too. <laughs> you think? And that's a big problem. It was, it was kind of a big deal. He did not like football. Well, and John, you remember the year before they drafted Konechi Udeza, too, out of USC. Yep. And, and he, he was, was going to solve the problem, too. Yeah. They thought that he was going to be another guy. Now, he got sick, right? Yeah, cancer. Yeah, he had cancer. Uh, Hodgkins, I believe. Yeah. And, and yeah, and so he had to, well, I think he tried to continue playing, but then he couldn't. He just, he just wasn't the same. But they did not solve, so, so the Vikings did not solve that problem at that position until they traded for Jared Allen with mm-hmm. the Chiefs in 2008. But that whole draft, and that, that, of course, goes back to my point, which is, so as Aaron Rodgers started to free fall through that draft, did anybody who had two draft picks in the first round say, it might be a good idea to stop this guy's fall? He's a quarterback. You know what else is funny, too? So that seventh pick that they used on Troy Williamson was the pick that they got in the Moss trade from, right. from Oakland, right? Yep. If the Vikings had not made that trade and that seventh pick belonged to the Raiders, they probably would have taken Troy Williamson, too. Right? Yeah, they, yeah. Because Al, Al Davis, he loved, loved, you just said it. The, he Al speed. Davis, he loved the speedsters. He Absolutely. loved the burners. The receivers that just now, went vertical. Now, the only, so the only defense about how awful that draft was is, is if you get, so if you say, well, the Vikings had Culpepper, so if Rodgers is there at that point in time, you're thinking Culpepper's got a long time left. Why take him? If you look past Aaron, that draft, that first round, as I recall at that point, not good. And I think the guy that Ticey's always claimed he wanted was a fellow Maryland guy. Sean Merriman, if I'm not mistaken, went to the Chargers in that draft. Oh, yeah. And he's the guy that Tice liked. And that would have made sense at seven. But beyond that, that first round is not full of great players. You mentioned Aaron Rodgers and, and, and the Packers. I just I wanted to mention this before we wrapped up Purple Daily today. So Ted Thompson the longtime general manager of the Packers. He was inducted into the Packers Hall of Fame this past weekend, and I don't think he spoke at his own Hall of Fame induction. Right. Yep, I think somebody else and spoke. And it's not the first time people have wondered what's going on with Ted Thompson because it was apparent later in his years in Green Bay that something was slowing the man down, and a lot of people speculate affecting his job performance because for my money, for his first five to seven years as the GM of the Packers, he was the best in the league. And I agree with the philosophy and his way of doing business that he did for all those years in Green Bay when it was working. And when you were as good at drafting and developing as Ted Thompson and the Green Bay Packers were, that's the best and most efficient way to keep yourself in contention over the long haul rather than blowing your wad on free agency every year, whatever the case might be, always, quote-unquote, going for it. Mm -hmm. Ted Thompson, I think, did business the right way, and later in his career, the draft and develop 
thing stopped working because he was not drafting as well as he did earlier. And uh, he just put this out today. Late in the 2017 season, Mark Murphy and I had a conversation about my health and future with the Packers. At that time, we mutually agreed that it was in the best interest of myself and the organization to step away from my role as general manager. In consultation with team physician Dr. John Gray, I began a complete health evaluation that has included second opinions over the last year from the Medical College of Wisconsin, the Mayo Clinic, and the UT Southwestern Medical Center. I have been diagnosed with an autonomic disorder I feel that it's important to mention that based on the test results and opinions of medical specialists, they feel that I do not fit the profile of someone suffering from chronic traumatic encephalopathy, CTE. Okay. So then he goes on to the rest of the, the statement is thanking the Packers, the doctors, is people the who have helped prognosis okay then, or is there... he, he doesn't say, I, I don't, I don't know what autonomic disorder is, what all it entails, how it's a nervous thing, I think, right? And it's, so could could this certainly have come from playing in the league? Because he played for the Oilers, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. He's a linebacker for the Houston Oilers, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's sad. But, yeah, there was definitely, you could tell for what, the last two or three years, right, mm-hmm. that something had changed there and, and was definitely wrong. I felt like people working in Wisconsin, a lot of people were somewhat unfair to Ted Thompson. And... Packers people, Packers fans and Packers report. No. <laughs> no, I don't know what you're talking about. I hope they appreciate what they had when the man still a, had his fat. He did a good job, and he was doing the job as well as anybody yep. was doing the job at the time. That's Judd Zolgad, Manny Hill on the other side of the glass. I'm Rami Makloff. This has been Purple Daily. Search Score North Vikings wherever you download podcast to get this and all our Vikings show, or just go get that Score North app. You can win stuff. Do it. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Venture X from Capital One is the travel card for people always asking, Where next? You earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel and 2x miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.